this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. This is an unprecedented time in that sports show, that other sports show history. We have done like three weeks straight of Wednesday shows. Yes. We haven't done this many Wednesday shows in a row since probably 2012, 2013. I think it's that's a stretch. Insanity like right now. I'd say like eight. Maybe 18 or 19. Wednesday night was was like our that was our night that was the night so now you've been getting some Wednesday shows and I have to say personally I believe that the Wednesday show has produced a lot of energy from both of us yes but the Wednesday it goes both ways there you can't but it it goes both ways I love the Wednesday show because it's dead in the middle of the week you got some fights coming up you got some time for football you really got to hope, much like on, on our old shows back in the day, we do a show on Wednesday, and then a fight would get pulled on, like, Thursday or Friday, and then we would kind of be fucked on that deal. So there's always that, right? There's, there's always that. But I love the Wednesday show because I think when we do an early show, it gives you plenty of time to post it, and it gives yes. us plenty of time to plug it. And I believe that it gives us maybe a handful of listeners more because there's just more time. It's got a little bit more meat on the bone when you get it out a little earlier. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, for the we've been skipping Thursday night football, not to say that most Thursday night football games haven't been meant to be skipped because yeah. most of them have been garbage. Very bad. But lately we've had some decent Thursday night football games and hitting that Wednesday show. We get a hit Thursday night football, which means we get to give you every single games over under for all you betters out yes. there. So you don't miss any games. Now you can listen and you can make your bets based on the garbage that we're throwing out to you. You can it's do a, a it's amazing. It's team. a good time. You want to do that? It's a good time. You don't you don't want to skip that. You don't want to be at an unlucky number and like a 13 team. Yeah. You want uh, the full 14 or the 12. So. Yeah, that's right. So we're here. We're ready. Jess, how are you? you again, I, your energy's high. I feel like yeah. my energy's high. I'm sipping on a pair of guava bang here. So I I, I Put it away to minimize lisp, and uh, I'm ready. We got <laughs> we got some decent stuff to talk about. Quick holiday check in. How's the holiday going so far? So good. We're about t minus what? Less than three weeks away from Christmas now. Yeah, I believe right today's around. 19 days from Christmas Day. 19 is the number right now. My son doesn't let me forget. He's 15 years old, and he won't let me forget how many days until Christmas. Mm. So, I mean, we, we are a Christmas family over here. We love yes. Christmas. Jay, you and your family <laughs> sound very much into the Christmas spirit. Hell yeah. The decorations, the gift giving, the gift buying, the gift wrapping, the whole meal deal. Folks, we love Christmas time. We love the holiday season. Uh, that's just our show. That's us. You get that from our personality types. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we're at right now. I'm I, loving did, life right uh, now. I, I did what is world famous now in fresno which is christmas tree lane which is it's like a three mile stretch of just the most beautiful lights the most beautiful setups the most beautiful gimmicks people go out and they spend a lot of money dolling their homes up and then you get to the very end of it and i put it on instagram every year uh it's like 
this person had to have spent tens of thousands of dollars on their home. It's been on television. I know it's been on some reality show, one of these holiday reality shows that pops on every year. This guy has uh, moving screens. He's got uh, the he's got like three story buildings worth of lights. Uh, he builds shit. He builds this enormous screen with Santa that starts at the top and he comes down with the reindeer. It's it's unbelievable. This guy has put a ton of money in it too. So did that last night, and as always, it was beautiful. If you're in or around the Central Valley around the holidays after Thanksgiving before Christmas, strongly advise you to try and make it out to Christmas Tree Lane. It is an experience like none other. I saw Santa Claus last night. I asked him for a football. He said I get two this year. So I'm just fucking jacked. I'm Someone ready. has been a good boy. I know. Someone I was, has been a very good boy. I was not ready. I was like, this guy knows. <laughs> he knows everything. He knows when I've been sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows everything. But he said I get two footballs. Just don't just don't look at the Google browser. You know what I mean? Not, Santa, no, stay no, the, uh, yes, Santa, stay away yes. from the Google browser. And I'm still do a good not, boy. Do not look at what, <laughs> what I got cooking in this phone. Stay away. Uh, shout out to the Bills Mafia. <laughs> Hashtag Bills Mafia. I'm going to throw this out there being a Bills fan. Out in Buffalo, there's two houses where some gentleman and their family constructed a whole uh, montage of 80s, 90s, 2000s, which most of us want to forget, and then into the late 2000s, where we're at now, of just highlights, Bill's highlights, that play with Christmas music and lights. And, the, and it and shows on that. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I saw yeah. that on Twitter. I can't remember who posted it. But people who do that kind of stuff, and even the, you know, the person you're talking about putting the Santa Claus screens down, shout out to all of you who takes so much time, money, and consideration into the pleasure of others' holidays. Yes. Thank you. Whole nother level. Love All right, it. Jess, so you've tipped off the sports. You started with some football. I would love to see the Rob Johnson highlights within that montage of <laughs> Bill's Alex, um, Alex Van Pelt. ABP, <laughs> baby. ABP, okay. baby. So you've kicked off football. I tip my hat a little bit, Jess. Oh, said, hey, here I've we got go. a football-related question for you, but I didn't want to ask you it off the air. I wanted to hit you over the head with it. Ooh. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because a lot of uh, it's getting a lot of a lot of air, a lot of TV time, and it's getting a lot of agreement, disagreement. I'm not looking for any of that out of you. What I am looking for is this: we love to play over under, so we're playing over under. Here is the one question. Over under seasons, Deion Sanders stays coach at the University of Colorado, and I am sitting at 3.5 years. Over under. Under. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we had some fights this past weekend, Jess. Let's <laughs> yes, talk, we did. Let's, let's talk some MMA. Let's talk a little UFC. You and I did a little where we were wrong, where we were right. We had some agreements, some disagreements. You were very right about the Pavs. Pavlovich absolutely wrecked our boy Tui Vasa. And although Tui Vasa is just a fun dude and he did the thing that I said he would do, Jess, he bit down on his mouthpiece and he tried to go and let's bang, bro. I think it was like a, it was just like literally a day late and a dollar short. And this was a one minute round, one minute fight. Um, 
he did not really get a chance to engage because by the time that he tried to bite out of that mouthpiece, Sergey was already handing him the full toothpiece with the orange soda. Give me some <laughs> thoughts on the short fight, Jess. Give short me some fight. Uh, Sergey Pavlovich <laughs> looks good. I mean, a lot of people were talking about this is a possible contender for you know a, a, a title fight somewhere down the road. He we were doing solid. it last year. We were doing yeah. this with him last year. Um, now, see, that's the problem with guys like Sergey is we don't really know where he's at in his training. He obviously looked good against Tuivasa, but let's not let's not forget that Tuivasa is a fun, fan friendly fighter. He's gonna go out there like Jay said, bite down on the mouthpiece and just go ham. And he's going to win some big fights like that, and he's going to lose some fights like that. I wouldn't necessarily put Tuivasa in a title type. You know, he's not a title contender. He's he's that above-average, mid-range guy who can put on the exciting fights. And again, he's going to lose some exciting fights. But because of his style, he's he's not going to be a champion in the UFC. Jess, I don't mean to interrupt you, but are you yeah. talking about Derek Lewis or are you talking about Tui Tui? No, I'm talking about Tuivasa. Okay, just, just yeah. go ahead. They're, they're, to me, Derek Lewis and, and, and Tui are about the same guy. Yeah, that's my I point. Mean, super, you know, both guys, huge fan favorites. They both put on shows whether they win or lose. They both are exciting on the mic. They both have their little post-fight type things that they do Gimmicks. that the fans just love. But because of their fight style, you know, that Tank Abbott type, like, bite down and just go hard. You know, that, that Mark Hunt style, That Cabbage Correa. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a throwback. I love that. I, I um, that those type of guys, the reason they've never been champions is because of their fight style. They've never adapted. Um, but because of their fight style, they'll always consistently have jobs and fights. The UFC will never put Tuvasa away on the shelf because he's an exciting guy and he makes them a lot of money. And, and, and in turn, he makes some money too. So it's a win-win for guys like him. Pavlich, though, if his training has turned the corner and his striking show that he put on was pretty impressive, maybe his training has turned the corner and he is trending up like we used to, uh, like we uh, like to say on the show like we thought a year ago i want to <laughs> i want to kind of put it more in this group as of now and and this could change fight to fight i still see sergey as that group of heavyweights that are a b class type that we know stylistically can match up well but might get knocked out just because we're at that weight, we're at that, <clears throat> we're at that division where guys just get fucking knocked out, and it happens. We've seen it happen with almost every heavyweight uh, within the past five, six years. When once they put that belt on, I'm really, I guess, other than Naganu, right? I'm really interested <laughs> in seeing what the progression of Sergey is. I don't want to lean as much on. Well, his training has changed. Well, he he's now hitting the curveball and he couldn't hit it before. I'm not ready to say that yet. As much as I am, this was just the styles make fights type of ordeal. And there's probably five or six other heavyweights that are right in that same B class. Well, you're just gonna get that. This guy's gonna offset this guy. This guy's gonna knock out this guy. If they fight 10 times, you might get six different results out of 10 with different winners in different in different ways. So I don't know where I'm at stock-wise with Sergey. I might buy a little bit more, but I don't know if I'm willing to 
sell my house yet. So let's let's stay right there with Sergey as of now. And the most important thing to remember about the USC heavyweight division also is that it's not very deep. Like after no. Naganu, like you got a bunch of guys who are like forty and up, and then you got some some guys who Ganya, are that, it's, that it's Ganya level. It's and I don't know who else. Yeah, it's Naganu, and then who else? Who's number two? Gagne, surreal Gagne. Like maybe if he can, and, and again, he's another guy that we need to see him turn a corner as well. So USC heavyweight division, outside of the champion, has a lot of room for movement. And that champion's already making his way into either. Fighting a super fight, which I still don't think is going to happen now, or just finding a way out of his contract because he wants to fight like on the undercard of Jake Paul or some shit like that. He just wants to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that. Prize fighting, as we talk about every week. Jess, let's discuss Holland versus Wonder Boy. Great fight. We knew it'd be a great fight. Uh, you and I were in a disagreement here. I took the bait and I said, you know what? I'm I'm going Wonder Boy here. You went Holland. I believe that's how it went, right? I didn't yeah. I, I didn't listen to it. I even went Holland by knockout. So. <laughs> and I went, let's see what happens with what Holland late. And I think a lot of what I was saying last week came to fruition. I'm worried or I was worried about where Holland was at training-wise. And if you continue to take fights on short notice, you're never going to be able to truly get that gas tank where you can put in five rounds. We saw that point in this fight where the switch hit, where the momentum shifted, if you will, the pendulum swung, and uh, the same shit that Holland was throwing, it just didn't have the steam that it had in the first and second round. Wonderboy did a fantastic job of going to his body with kicks, which was so important. I don't think a lot of people point that out when we're reviewing these fights. And just being able to outlast, use that higher fight IQ, use that experience, and just beat Holland at his own game, which is standing. Give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. I think that this is the most complete fight I've ever seen Stephen Thompson fight. I think that's fair. Uh, he From start to finish... He had a game plan. He followed through 1,000% with that game plan. Uh, he kept the striking. He kept hauling at a distance with the kicks and the body kicks. And and again, to reiterate your point on body kicks, that takes a lot out of you, especially when you are that guy taking short notice fights consistently and your gas tank's not ever 100%. It's 88%. It's 79%. If you're getting the wind knocked out of you consistently throughout that fight, it's hard to maintain, and we saw a complete win from start to finish for Stephen Thompson. It was one of the most complete fights I've ever seen in fights, one of the most dominant fights I've ever seen him fight, and and props again to, to Kevin Holland. He is just one of the – he's like the stone-cold Steve Austin of the UFC. <laughs> like, he's just the toughest SOB in the room. Like, he takes any of these fights. None of these fights he's taking are easy fights. He's taking all these big fights against big-time fighters. And uh, I'm going to play a little football action against you to, as Tom Brady, as you like to uh, call him, the 40-year-old's the superhero, <laughs> the dad bod, the, the, the single dad, the 40 guy yeah. going out there playing football, winning games. Shout out to Tom Brady winning another game last week. Uh, Steven Thompson, I think, is that for the UFC right now. Like, he's this guy. He's an older cat. He's been around for a long time. And he's just out there consistently putting on good, solid fights. 
And again, just uh, mad props to both these guys. It was a great fight from start to finish. I was surprised that Thompson was able to finish Holland, but man, Holland was running super short there at the end. Yeah, ha- yeah. Ha- uh, I think Holland's corner did the right thing by stopping the fight. You send him out for the fifth round. He's just going to take more punishment. He was staring at his hand, which to me is the number one indicator of yeah. I am mentally starting to fragment. I am me- I have a mental hurdle right in front of me, but I still got to fight. And the- it's just the wrong time to catch one. When I start seeing a dude stare at his hand, to me it kind of feels like he's starting to look for a way out. He is, he is silently um, alerting his corner, hey, my hand is fucked up. What are we going to do here? What do you want to do? You know what I mean? Now, we've seen cornermen go and completely ignore that because they know they're fighters and they get in their ear and, and tell them something or they get in their ear and, and, you know, figure some shit out. That's what great cornermen do. Um, again, I think the cornerman did the right thing. Perhaps he saw he knows Holland and he knew this was Holland's way of checking out and said, fuck that. I ain't sending him out there for another round of punishment. He doesn't have any he doesn't have the steam in his strikes in this fifth round, this championship round that he had in the first or second, and he is taking punishment. We're good. We're going to go ahead and we're going to stop right here. I don't think there's and anything I, wrong with that. And I believe his hand was jacked up. I believe that yeah. somebody broke, tweeted yeah. out pictures. So the guy's completely wasted energy-wise, right? Just absolutely tired. He's been tagged up all night long from start to finish. Now, not only does he have no steam on those punches, but now he can't even properly punch without giving his hand even more punishment and damage. So it was the correct call by the corner. It was a good call. Way to keep your guy safe. You know, I I would like to think that uh, all other corners would do the same thing, but we've seen bad cornermen in the past. Yes. But these guys the made the 100% right call. Um, One more thing on Wonder Boy. I am not sure what you do with him here, Jess. I don't know if we have reached super fight level for Wonder Boy, and now we just want to keep him in these style of fights. Um, I don't know if we want to see him fight someone in that top three or top five of that division. I don't know how he does against guys like that. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. It's, um, it's, it's confusing, if you will. When I watch him fight Sergio Pettis and he gets knocked completely out, and I watch him fight Holland, and I swear Holland is a stronger puncher, man. And he's sitting there just getting fucking teed off on, and he just keeps coming forward. He keeps circling. He keeps moving. And Holland was hitting him fucking flush with that right hand. And there's times in that, in that fight you could tell he might have been a little bit on Queer Street. He might have been a little dinged up. He might have been a little rattled, but composure was there. Uh, again, experience was there and ability to stick around and finish that fight. He just you know, outlast his opponent was there. So credit to him. Any ideas, any thoughts on what they should do next with, with our man here? Absolutely no idea what to do with Wonder Boy. I, he's, not a, he's not a contender. Uh, I don't think that he's necessarily like who can you put him in in super fight types fights? Like, I mean, he's Bring not, he's not, he's not necessarily time. You can put him in fun fights yeah. where, you yeah. know, I think at the end of his fight, he did an interview with somebody and uh, he was like, Hey man, I, I just want to fight, but I want to fight. Give me guys who want to stand up and fight. 
and maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe you, if you want to keep them around, you just give them stand up fighters. You don't want to go to the ground, and you just have these, you know, stand up and bang them fights. Can I give he you can a fight? Put on, he can put on shows, but outside of that, I have no clue what to do. I with just Stephen cooked Thompson. one up. I just cooked one up. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Jorge Masvidal. It would be a, it would be a good fight to see. Both That'd guys want to stand and bang. Stand up fight. There's no real ramifications to any rankings. I don't think anyone's ranked. If Jorge wants to bring the BMF belt just for shits and giggles and just complete gimmickry, do that. But I don't... I mean, who else? I don't know. Fuck. Who else? Somebody had said earlier, I had read a tweet where somebody said maybe Dustin Poirier moves oh, up. No. And then, 25? Yeah, 170? 170 and then fights uh, Wonderboy. I mean, it would be an entertaining fight. I don't know. I think Poye needs to get past it. I mean, I heard that Poye is kind of, you know, yeah, I think Poye's got to have something right now. So, yeah, got some stuff cool. going on. But I mean, you can you can do stuff like that with guys who are out of title contention, maybe a, a weight class below, you know, maybe have them meet up and like do like a, uh, you know, a split weight class. There I don't know. Catch weight, Ste- catch weight. Catch weight. Steven Thompson is an enigma to me right now. Because I just don't know where to place him. It's tricky, man. It's, tricky. it's super and, tricky. And with and with Holland, is Holland, did Holland retire again? Did he go back to the McFoley retirement? I, <laughs> I, I honestly I, have no clue. Did he retire? I don't believe he's retired. I think he's, <laughs> yeah. he's he. Last I saw, he was healing up in the hospital room, and uh, he said he's going to come back for some more. So he's got a the, a mangled hand. He's he's got a he's got a mangled right hand. He's probably he's got out a fucking, for he's out for at least nine months. I guess he's right. He's probably got a blunt with about 17 grams of fucking that <laughs> dap piff in his left hand. And he's just trying to, he's just trailblazing right he's now. That money. He's earned it. He's earned yes, it. He okay. Did. Jess, we've got a UFC this week. Let's, let's quickly hit the pickums here and then we'll jump to some NFL. I am using the UFC's website. I don't love the odds on this website. Um, uh, Chris Duckhouse, is this a legit fight? Duckhouse versus Rosen's truck? Didn't these guys yeah. just fight? Didn't Duckhouse just fight? Am I, Am I lost here? I feel like I just saw some of these guys fight. Let's jump right into the main card. The dirty hillbilly Bryce Mitchell is fighting Ilya Tupuria. I feel like I've seen Ilya in some great fights. He is a slight favorite here, Jess. I believe he's a slight favorite. Yeah, he's a slight yeah, favorite. Yeah, slight so favorite. That's surprising. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell. Uh, Tupuria is a tough guy. He's got some skill set. Uh, I don't think that he is. he's necessarily fought anybody of, like, huge worth. Uh, I think Bryce Mitchell has when I was talking earlier about, you know, that training camp turning the corner there with training. Bryce Mitchell's a different guy. This last year, he's been a different guy. He's subbing people from all over the place. He's putting hands on people. He looks hungrier. He looks faster. He looks stronger. And his ground game looks far superior to what it's ever been in the past. This guy is on a mission for hillbillies everywhere. Yes. And he wants to strap on the BMF belt for the hillbilly world. And I'm telling you, this this kid, he's he's got something in the tank. Uh, I'm taking Bryce Mitchell in this fight. I, don't, I think it's going to be a finish somewhere. Uh, I'm going to say, let's say, uh, submission, rolling with the subs. Yeah. Uh, submission, probably late second round. He's going to catch I, him somewhere. I love where your head's at. This feels like a full, I'm going to just absolutely out-wrestle you and grapple fuck you for Bryce fight. Um, I believe, based on what I'm looking at here, Ilya's also coming down in weight. 
which might be an issue. I'm not sure how many fights at 145 he has, but I like Bryce here. I'm going to go decision. I think he wins two of the three rounds with just absolute blanket grapple fucking. Darren Till. I, I, can I see a good photo of Darren Till looking healthy and looking happy? Because I don't think I've seen one in three to six months. The guy's in a hospital. He's got like fucking, uh, what, what, uh, what is that shit that you get when you roll on the mat all the time? Like that. that staff infection. He's got he staff. He's getting IVs. He's fighting Duplass, who I feel is an absolute animal. I don't know if Darren Till is trending up or trending down anymore. Duplass is a slight favorite here, Jess. Who you got? I think Duplass should be a, a higher favorite. Mm. Darren Till is, he's been mentally, we talk about the mental game all the time in all aspects of sports, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever. In the MMA world, I think being mentally strong is even more important because it's a one-on-one thing. And and Darren Till has taken some really weird fucking losses. Mm-hmm. losses that we did not see coming Darren Till was supposed to be the coming of the next great middleweight and he's not ever come anything anywhere close to that and including taking some again some really strange losses he had the injury to the knee the I believe it was the last time he fought maybe the time before where he couldn't even finish uh this stuff adds up and if you're not mentally strong enough to overcome uh it just gets worse from there Drake Drakus Duplessis is a he is a beast and he yes. is going to tee off on Darren Till and I believe <laughs> that even though it, I believe it's going to be a decision it's going to be a strong UD and Darren Till is going to take another another L. I'm I'm a little bit more torn on this fight just because I want to say that Till has been in so many tough fights early in his career that maybe now he's reached that point where he's like, I'm not really worried about being the face of the UFC anymore or, or, or the face of the UK and the UFC. I'm, I'm just worried about getting good, tough fights and getting paid and, and, and earning mine, if, I, if you will. Uh, I don't, again, with the stock up, stock down, I don't know if I'm ready to sell all my stock until yet. And I think this fight is going to have a lot of input there. I'm leaning Duplass. I'm leaning decision. I would not be surprised if Till fucks around and we see a re-energized, a, uh, you know, a, a new Till with some vigor and, and some energy. Um, but I'm leaning Duplass. I'm leaning decision. If Till can't start hot again, it's gonna that get messy mental quick. game is that mental game is going to start fucking with him, and it's going to get messy fast. Uh, Alex Morono versus Santiago Porzibino. I always butcher this guy's name, but his game is Porzibio. He is one. Listen, I love watching this guy fight. He is one of the higher uh, favorites within the fight here. He is a minus three eighty, which makes him a big a big favorite. Jess, who you got? Weird that this is the catch weight. I believe that uh, Alex Morano is a, a, a fill-in, is what happens. So Ponzinibbio was supposed to, his original opponent bounced out for whatever reason. Alex Morano comes in. They, they're like, hey, man, I can't make this weight, but we'll do a catch weight. So they're in a catch weight fight. Ponzinibbio is one of the hardest strikers in, in, in uh, that division at, at his size. That man packs a hell of a punch. Alex Morano's coming in uh, with a little bit of, uh, of fight time under his belt, like as far as training camp. 
Uh, it's just a bad setup. I, I'm taking uh, Ponzinibbio. I'm going to go finish, and I'm going to go second round. I am once again going to lean on the take that I always give, which is if you take a fight on short notice and lose, it's still a win-win because, hey, I took a fight on short notice here. What did you expect? I didn't have the proper training. I didn't have this. The excuses are built in. Santiago, knockout round two. We've reached our co-main event here, Jess. I am absolutely baffled at the fact that this is the co-main event and they are asking for money for this. <laughs> Patty the Batty. We love Patty the Batty. That doesn't mean that we love him for $70 two weeks before fucking Christmas. <laughs> He's fighting Jared Gordon. I feel like I should know more about Jared Gordon. Is this one of those ultimate fighter 27 dudes? Um, Patty the Batty is a decent favorite at a minus two fifty. Jess, who you got? Yeah, this is going to be my upset special. Uh, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking Jared Gordon. Ooh. Jared Gordon is a Gordon is a tough guy. I he's a wrestler. Uh, he's a grinder, and I think that if if Patty can't keep him at distance with the kicks and the and the strikes, if he gets caught up in that ground game, Patty is not strong enough. Jared Gordon is a fucking truck at his size. I'm telling you right now, this guy's got that weird, like crazy farm boy strength. If Patty gets on the ground, he will not get back up and Gordon will grind him out for three rounds. And that's how I see this fight going. Upset special, Jared Gordon. Damn, I love it. Someone, listen, someone had to pull the dick out here and give someone an upset special here. So thank you for that. (laughs) Because I will not be that same guy. I like Patty here. I like the old Pete by numbers. He's going to throw a lot of one, twos, threes, followed by low kick. He's going to strike to win. He is not going to strike to finish. He is going to point strike. I like Patty the Batty winning two of the three rounds. I like Patty the Batty by decision here. Main event, Jess, Jan Balakovic. And the first time, and I think the fucking I think I've ever seen, he is a dog at a plus 225. He's fighting like Khabib's boys. And this one's a dangerous one. This may be how they get my man Mamed. Ankalev into that title shot, Jess. He is a favorite at 265. Who you got? So is this the um Oh, this is a this is a title fight. I believe this is a title fight. Yeah, holy shit. So here's where I'm going with this. Young, I've never had faith in. I don't know oh, how wow. the hell I don't know how the hell he, he won the title in the first place. Like I I I know that he took the loss to Glover, correct? And then, uh, or yes, yeah, so, and then, or he, he beat knocked Glover. Some, he knocked a bunch of dudes out for that. He, I, he had some fights where he won some. So he won some impressive fights. I didn't. I wasn't impressed. I mean, he's not beating John Jones out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, he, you know. So, I like where Jan was. He just kind of hit that role, man. He was on that that streamline where everything was just added up. All the all the the opponents he had just kind of were like a little bit less. Uh, of of a skill set than what he he brought yeah. to that table. The easy the easy fight was kind of his crowning achievement. But, but even then, he beat a the, guy who came in like thirty pounds lighter. Yeah. Like Izzy didn't even he couldn't even beef up to close to what Jan was. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I'll give him the fight because he won the fight. It wasn't impressive. It wasn't like oh my gosh, Dude, it, I can't it's believe your, this it's is your what normal it's your normal one eighty five going up versus a two hundred five er who's probably exactly. cutting from two thirty. 
Exactly. So it's, it's not that. It's not that big. Again, it's not that big of an accomplishment. It, I mean, thing. you you can take it. I mean, I'm sure that he's got you know a poster of it up on his wall, which I would, I would. too. I mean, he'd be Izzy, right? Like it's, yeah, it's a would. feat that only apparently Alex Perea can can do. Um, uh, in this fight though, Magomed Ankalev is an animal, and he's not your typical Khabib guy, where like he's gonna out wrestle you, out wrestle mm. you, out wrestle you. This guy has hands, and he is not afraid to stand in exchange. And I think that this is where Jan's going to get – he's going to try to exchange. He's going to get caught, and then if he gets caught, then this is where the wrestling part comes in. There is nowhere on this timeline where I see Jan winning this fight. Wow. I think uh, Magomed Ankalev comes in there and just smashes out Jan – takes that title and he's going to hold on to that bitch until you know maybe John Jones comes back. Maybe this will be a fight that John Jones says, "Hey, shit, man, maybe I should uh hit back the light heavyweight division and see what see what I can do." Oh, this is you know, Jess, here's my upset special. I am the opposite of you. I love Jan. I've always loved Jan's fights. There was a moment where I was all the way in on Jan being the guy to beat John Jones. Um and I still think he might be that guy. I think that you look at that Santos fight, I have no idea what the fuck happened in that fight other than maybe he just gassed, maybe he was not prepared, maybe it was just not his night, but he uh, lost, and rightfully so, he makes no excuses. This, to me, is an incredible stylistic fight, and it's unique because as much lack of interest I have in the Patty fight, I have a shitload of interest in this fight. I'm really intrigued by this fight. Um, this, to me, is the true measuring stick for Ankalev because I think this is him fighting the elite. This is him fighting the top of the top, top of the food chain, if you will. Jan's been here for two years. He's been fighting the top of the top. He's been fighting the top guys at 205, even if they weren't John Jones. He still had an incredible fight with Santos that he lost. He still knocked out Dominic Reyes. He's got some credible wins in there. I'm leaning Jan in an exchange where he catches Ankalev and knocks him out. I think it comes in the second round. I would not be surprised if Ankalev absolutely grapple fucks him. I agree with you, Jess. I think he's an incredible striker. And when you look at that camp of guys, a lot of those Khabib guys are, hey, we're great grapplers that use the strikes to set up these takedowns. He's a bit of the opposite. Yeah, But that doesn't mean that he can't grapple like a motherfucker. And I think that if he is going to beat Jan, it is going to be by grinding him out with that tough up-against-a-cage wrestling advantages when he's got Jan on his back and just trying to make Jan exert a ton of energy, trying to get up off of his ass. Um, that would not surprise me. It would not be surprised if we get a blanket four out of five rounds out of Ankalev for a win. Um, but I am leaning Jan knockout in an exchange round two. That's where my head's at. I love it. I love if, it. If this if this happens, you have to start putting Jan somewhere in the top of the food chain as far as like the pound for pound guys, because yeah. he's been the champion for a, for a minute. He's beaten some big time guys. Again, like the only guy that he's not been able to beat is uh, Tiago Santos, which that was back in Santos's prime, I guess. That was like the pre-injury. Yep. Um, and and then of course that John was probably Jones has... three years ago that fight happened. Yeah. If so not... and 
And John Jones has been nowhere to be found in the MMA world except on Twitter. So, like, if you can't fight one of those guys again, then this is That's this it. is the best of the best that you have. And if you can get through another title defense, then you got to start talking pound for pound. I agree with you. It's time, Jeff. The NFL has reached us. This is a short week for some random reason. They got a lot of teams on by. Let's start with that Thursday game. It is not sexy at all. The Los <laughs> Angeles Rams, who have acquired a much-talked-about quarterback on this show for several years, Baker Mayfield. They are playing against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are on the road. They are a six-point to six-and-a-half-point favorite at all of your favorite gambling websites. DraftKings, Caesar Sportsbook, FanDuel, BetMGM. So we'll stick with the six, Jess. Who you got? Um... First of all, I just want to say, if Baker Mayfield cannot do well in a Sean McVay system, he should not be playing quarterback in the NFL. You had to start there. I do see the shine on Baker through Sean McVay's eyes. I mean, realistically, this is a gift just falling into the lap of the Los Angeles Rams, who are either going to play John Wolford again or they're going to have to wait around. I mean, I, I think Matt Stafford's on IR for, for the, the rest year. of the year. Yeah, I think he's done for the so, year. So, I mean, you really have no other options. And all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield, a former number one pick, a Heisman Trophy winner, falls right into your lap. This is just like the rich getting richer. But we still have to see it fit. If Sean McVay can't turn this kid's career around, I don't know who can. But I'm taking the Raiders because whether he plays or he doesn't, um, if he plays, he has had no time to study this playbook. He will go in there with like a three-page playbook. The Raiders' defense will figure it out. Max Crosby will crush him. I am going to take the Raiders one way or the other, and I do like the six. Jesse, you and I have this conversation all the time. Every team has a coach that goes, I can fix him. Every team. Every time someone is released, whether it's a quarterback a wide receiver, a running back, a lineman, there is some coach somewhere on a different team that goes, no, nah, I could fix him, bring him in. And that's what's happening with Mayfield. Um, I love your take, and I think it's incredibly accurate. Um, I think Baker is really starting to be to, to teeter to where we said he would be at the beginning of the year, which is a full-time clipboard holder for the rest of his career. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. He's going to make a lot of money doing it. I love Vegas. I love the points. And I still hate Wolf Wolford. I don't think he's got it. Uh, <laughs> Vegas has won three straight games. And nobody's talking about it. They're going to run the shit out of the ball. Carr is hopefully not going to throw pick sixes. Like he did last week. And, the, and Vegas is going to roll. Much like you. I love the points. This is an 8 to a 10 point win for Vegas. Josh Jacobs has been he's been like turnaround player of the year. Like he started off super slow. I think they were trying to force feed the passing game. Yeah. And now that they're just like screw it man. Let's give Josh the ball. This kid's running for like 160 yards a game. It's insane. Let him fucking cook. For for some reason they get away from that Gruden playbook which I know they still got laying around because the Davis family isn't going to let it leave the building. You, you run the fucking ball between those tackles and you're going to have some success. It's they've been doing it as long as I've been watching Raider football. 
The uh, you know what? Let's save the bill. I'm gonna I'm gonna come around for the Buffalo game because I got some Jets takes. Um, <laughs> but they gave it to me as the second one of the dish here. Let's keep it moving. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson looking absolutely mama mid and rusty last week. They are a six point dog to the Cincinnati Bengals. I see six and a half at some of your favorite gambling websites, but we'll keep it at six. Jess, who you got? Uh, I've got Cincy. I like I, Joe Burrow in this Bengals team is on another level. Similar to what too. happened last season. They're making that late season run. They're looking really super good. They're coming up healthy and they're making plays. And eventually they're going to get Joe Mixon back. And then that offense is even going to be more dynamic than what it is now without him. So I'm taking the Bengals. I like the points. Deshaun Watson is going to take a three, maybe even the last four or five games of this season before he starts getting into NFL caliber type, you know, back in his Houston days. Uh, it's going to take him a minute. And last week showed, like, he looked absolutely mid. And so I've got the Bengals and the points. Yeah. Um, Bengals are getting healthy. I think makes them plays. And even if they don't, they, they've just got all their weapons back. Uh, they've got the receivers back. They're hitting on all on all cylinders here. And I just can't see a scenario where Watson just comes out and goes blow for blow a burrow here. I like no. the Bengals. I like the points. I'm gonna skip the da- I'm gonna skip the Dallas game. So make sure that we stay with these 10 o'clock games and I come back and I do Buffalo and Dallas. I want to keep it moving with the 10 o'clock games. This one's kind of fun. The Detroit Lions. And I want to make sure I'm seeing this right. I am seeing this right. <laughs> They're a favorite. Are you? T- I, I just. I got. I put the. I'm checking all the fucking websites. They're, They're a, favorite. a favorite. I don't know. At I home. thought it was a mistake. Versus <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings. Jess is is Vegas drinking the Dan Campbell Kool Aid you've been serving for 13 weeks? Finally, it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> it's like, it's Dan Campbell like is getting the respect you, that man deserves. It, you're going to be right eventually. That man deserves all the credit right now. He is one of the weirdest, wonkiest coaches I've ever seen coach in the NFL. But, man, he gets those guys fired up. The Lions are healthy right now. Amon St. Brown is playing his ass off in the slot on the outside. All they're missing is DeAndre Swift. They also got Jamison Williams back now, slowly creeping him back into the offense. That speedster out of Alabama hasn't played all year due to the uh, knee injury in the offseason. He's back. He's going to start sliding in. I'm telling you, this offense has some speed, like low-key Miami Dolphins speed out there. Oh, wow. I don't Jesus. think that they're going to beat the Minnesota Vikings. I think that two and, I love the two and a half. I love the premise of the whole thing. Again, I've been sh- just shooting out Dan Campbell stuff all year long. I love this guy. But, man, the Vikings are still the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, he didn't even have to put up very big numbers last week. They still picked up the win. Dalvin Cook is still, you know, running the ball effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they got the, you know, Justin Jefferson out there making one-handed, one-finger grabs and shit like that. This offense is still impressive. The defense needs work, but they're getting the job done. Kind of a bend-don't-break defense right now. Minnesota, hate those points. I'm sorry. I love you, Dan Campbell, but Minnesota all all day. I want to pull my hair out trying to figure out why there are so many Sharps on Detroit other than just they're at home. 
Like, I don't – so you got to give them three? Like, this is not an even matchup. It's okay. not even close. Shout out Chris W. Powers for saying that the offensive coach for the Lions deserves to be coach of the year. Just go on, just streamline him right past Dan Campbell and give it to the offensive coach. If Dan Campbell is coach of the year, he should take that award and just hand it to the offensive coach who has found a way to make baby hands golf relevant again. Um, Jess, you are rolling on all cylinders right now. I am in agreement with everything you're saying with regards to the Lions offense. Problem is their defense still stinks and it's still lower than Mama Mid. Minnesota's offense is going to have a fucking field day against this yeah. team. This might be first who scores 35. I believe it's going to be Minnesota. I love Minnesota. Not a big upset special, but we both are in agreement here. Next 10 o'clock game is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are a four-point dog on the road to the Tennessee Titans. I see four and a half at some of your favorite gambling websites, but we'll stick with the four because that seems to be the consistent number. Uh, Jess, I am not giving up on Trevor Lawrence. However, like I said earlier, <laughs> I can sit here for 13 weeks and say that he's good. He's going to improve. That last week kind of stunk. Give me some thoughts, Jess. Who you got? It was a rough game for Jacksonville. I believe. I'm not sure, but did we both go with Jacksonville Boy, last did week? we. Oh, Boy, did Lord. we. We can't get uh, them all right. Pie in the face. Um, <laughs> you know what? But we also we also wanted to lean Tennessee in the Philly game, and I'm glad that we, neither of us did because mm-hmm. Philadelphia absolutely wrecked Smoked Tennessee. Them. Uh, Tennessee is – they are average at best. I know that they have their division lead, but they are average at best in an average division – and in into getting the playoffs, that's great. But you know they're looking at a, a one and done type deal, and that's even if they can hang on to their lead in that in that comp, in that division. Uh, I like Tennessee in this game. I think that they'll go back to the basics. They're just going to hand off to Derrick Henry thirty five times, and every now and then pass outside to a couple tight ends or something like that. I I, I expect Tannehill or Malik Will uh, Malik uh, Willis, whoever's playing in this game to just basically game manage the shit out of this game and just get it done and get it over with and leave with a dub. Uh, This game is going to be bowling shoe ugly. Every team in the South, whether it's the AFC or NFC stinks and Tennessee wins. They don't cover. This feels like 10 to 13. Yeah, I agree. This has 10 to 13 written all over it. Uh, last okay, we got two more ten o'clock games, and we'll shoot back to the teams that we love. Philadelphia Eagles once again rolling on all cylinders. They are a seven-point favorite, a full touchdown across the board to the New York Football Giants, who are finally trending down. I have only been saying saying this for the past six months. They are smoke and fucking mirrors. They are now being proven as fraudulent. Just who you got? The Giants started off the season six and one. They're seven, four, and one, which means that makes them one, three, and one in the second half of the season so far. Uh, Brian Dable, I don't think has been exposed. I just think that the players he's working with have been. Daniel Jones has been a manageable quarterback, but he's not explosive. He's not dynamic. Saquon Barkley is your only superstar on that entire team. Anytime he's on the field, you must watch out for Saquon. But guess what? Defenses understand that. They key in on Saquon. If you can take him out of the game, you kill the Giants. There's no way they're beating you through the air. 
Uh, the Eagles just spent four quarters basically towing with the Tennessee Titans, who I thought had a chance to keep that game close. I'm taking the Eagles. I'm taking the points. Hell, I'd give them double the points, man. The yeah. Eagles are the Eagles are killing this game. I feel like this is a 10-point win for the Eagles. Uh, so you saying they're 14, double that seven. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, why can't the Giants draft or land a fucking receiver? And why are we still talking about Odell Beckham on the Giants? Didn't they give up on his ass a long time ago? Why <laughs> Why is that the fucking conversation? Like, the Giants stink. The Giants are going to fuck around and overpay Daniel Jones and then complain about him for three more seasons. I just, listen, the Giants stink. And I know you're a DeBall guy. I'm not as much as you are. Uh, Philly wins. I like Philly. I like the points. This feels more like a 10-point game. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, can we say, starting to roll here? They Any picket, baby. Dude, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home versus the Baltimore Ravens. I am fully under the assumption that Lamar Jackson is not playing. Lamar is not playing. This, and this is why we have a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So this is basically a fucking pick at home, Jess. Who you got? You know what? I, I really strongly want to go Pittsburgh, but I'm not going to. No, I uh, will. Harbaugh is such a well-versed and well-rounded head coach. He will have Josh Johnson or whoever is backing up. Hunley? Lamar. They will, if it's Brett Hundley, I don't know who it's going to be, but whoever is under center will have a very dialed down playbook. And let's be real. It's not like Lamar plays with a very up-ended playbook. I mean, he's got a very <laughs> dialed down playbook as well, but they just make it work because his legs will now they're going to depend more on the running game. They have three very dependable running backs in that backfield that can handle the ball at any point in time. They've got Mark Andrews, who I've said all season is the second best tight end right under Travis Kelsey. He will catch 12 passes this game. It's going to be bowling shoe ugly, but I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just had an epiphany, Jess. Do you know who would have been a great addition to the Baltimore Ravens? Are you gonna go there? Yeah, <laughs> of course I am. Fucking Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Listen, if you're looking for a quarterback right in between uh, Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's gonna be closer to the Flacco tier, but I mean, why not Baker? Is he any worse than Hunley, or it's just you're you're invested in Hunley because he knows the playbook, right? So that's got to be he's just he really knows the playbook. And he's a guy that doesn't turn the ball over a ton, so you're invested in him. Um, no, nah, man, I'm going Steelers. I like the Steelers. <laughs> I like the points. This is going to be old-school Steelers football. They are going to run the football a fucking ton. This is going to be something like 20-14 to 14 or 21-17. I like the Steelers, and I like the points. I think they roll. Jess, we have reached the last of the 10 o'clock games. We got to backtrack. We're going to backtrack. The Dallas Cowboys are a 16 to a 16 and a half point favorite (laughs) across the board versus our favorite losers, the Houston Texans. I just heard in the car this afternoon that Davis, our boy Mills, might be starting again. Hell yes. I don't think it fucking matters. I I think it, <laughs> I think you take the 16 and double it. How about that? Uh Jess, what you got? Uh look, man, they're the lovable losers because we hate to see them lose, but we know it's gonna happen. 
And the Dallas Cowboys are on a whole nother level right now. I've been talking about it now for the last couple weeks. I know that Dak's had a game here or there where maybe he's not so Dak Prescotty, but mostly he's been very, very good. And like always, Dak doesn't turn over the ball. He's good for 300-plus yards. He's going to throw a couple t- uh, couple tutties to somebody. CeeDee Lamb has really picked up the pace here in the second half. I love seeing what CeeDee Lamb's been able to accomplish here in the second half. I think that's a great reminder of what you're about to get next season uh, with CeeDee Lamb all, like, having a full season and another training camp. Man, that kid's going to be super fucking good. Uh, Zeke is is starting to give you a few yards and a tutty here and there. Man, this team is on a roll. Like Jay says, if you want to take the 16 half and double it, I'm, I'm okay with that. Dallas Cowboys roll. Yeah, this feels like a 25 to 30 point absolute <laughs> ass whooping by Dallas. And Dallas is doing the thing that Buffalo was doing at the beginning of the year where they're just boat racing fucking teams because they can. Um, I, I don't see any scenario where the Texans keep this game close even after halftime. I think this is this gets away from them early often and we're probably going to see a little cooper rush somewhere in that third or fourth quarter because they'll pull those fucking starters a lot of pollard <laughs> a lot of zeke elliott and Lady they were Dugan. running some third string fucking practice <laughs> team uh running back at the end of that at the end of that colts game uh shout out to our boy the fucking pancake coach i don't know if he's playing or not but i just want to say <laughs> This is this is the cause and effect uh, of when you bring a fucking high school coach into the big leagues, and you're gonna get coaches like McCarthy who get it hard on for beating down a coach like this to prove a fucking point. Don't be surprised if you see teams absolutely steamroll Indianapolis just because they want to run it up on that fucking coach. They think it's a slap in the face. Okay, you and I are on the same page. We'll keep it moving. Buffalo Bills Corner. It's time, Jess. It's time for Hashtag Bills Mafia Corner, one of my favorite moments of the show. <laughs> nine and a half across the board. I'm seeing some nines, but I'm not going to recognize them. So let's go with the nine and a half. The New York Jets. I don't know what to think about the Jets, but I, I don't know if I like the points. I will say that, Jess. Who you got? Um, I remember last season we played Mike White and obviously that was with Poyer and Hyde in our backfield to go along with Trey and, and, and Dane Jackson, some of these other guys. Um, we don't have Poyer or Poyer might play Hyde obviously is out with the neck injury, but last year, Mike White threw four picks against the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) And he he's he's sort of a cowboy, like he's a pocket guy. He's not the most athletic guy. He's, if you can push him out of the pocket, it's very dangerous watching him roll out and try to throw on the run. It just looks super awkward and weird. It's something that he's not necessarily used to, I guess, or something he's comfortable doing. I think that Buffalo puts enough pressure on Mike White. He gets a couple turnovers. Um, honestly, they're running like a third or fourth string running back right now. Like this offense is back again to where it's in trouble. Unlike it was like maybe two, three weeks ago when they were starting to pick up some momentum. And I think Buffalo rolls. I'm, I'm all over the points. I think it's more like 13 points at the end of this game. You know, I, I'm going to go the opposite way. Uh, Buffalo wins jets cover. Uh, I think, Oh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, ramifications of losing Von Miller for the seasons. Give me some. Give me the thought. Give me some thoughts, please. 
Obviously, it's a blow. Um, but if you look at the stats, uh, Vaughn, up until when he originally got hurt, I think he ended. Uh, he's going to end up with like six and a half sacks on the season, which is good for a midseason, you know, sack total. I mean, you're looking at possibly him getting double digits uh, at, by the end of the season. Um, but what I'm taking out of this is that other guys, after watching last week, other guys have picked up little tidbits of information that Vaughn was giving them. You saw uh, AJ Epinesa get a, a big sack. You saw Boogie Basham get into the backfield. Ed Oliver is always in the backfield. I mean, you've got guys out there who are playing their butts off. And I think the defensive line is obviously weaker without Vaughn and less explosive without Vaughn, but we still have some playmakers. The biggest thing for me is I think that our secondary has always been the highlight of the defense. Mm -hmm. Now we have Trey White back. We got everybody back. And uh, the the first-round draft pick, Elam, is playing well. We've got some guys. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is off the practice squad, and he's had a full game from last week. <laughs> he's going to play this week. So I think that, again, we're going to count on the secondary to play super tight, get a couple picks and turnovers and uh, keep this game within within reach so Josh Allen can probably make that, you know, that last, you know, minute or two drive to put the game away. Yeah, I like, I like Buffalo. I don't like the points. Uh, a, a in-division game, this feels to me like a six- or seven-point win Buffalo. I think the Jets keep it tight. I think this is a lower-scoring game. I see something like – 2014, 2317. Uh the nine and a half in division, it, it just it just feels and the and the jet and the Buffalo has played a lot of fucking close games. They've played way too many close games in the last yeah. six weeks. Um for me to justify ten points, nine and a half, it's just too high. Buffalo wins, uh the Jets cover. All right, we have hit all the ten o'clock games, one o'clock games. Let's start with the ugly one. The Kansas City Chiefs, nine and a half across the board. They are visiting the Denver Broncos. Our boy, let's ride, Russ Wilson. Jess, who you got? Oh, man. Double this point, too. No, uh, you know what? I, I actually, you know what? Uh, you I'm, I'm going to say, you know it. what? I, all honesty, I think the nine and a half is actually a really good point total. Yeah. The, the Chiefs offense has been, has not been on a roll. They're not riding nowhere. Uh, Mahomes has been kind of squeaking through some games. Beating Kelsey slowed down a little bit. Beat. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey, had, back to Earth. Uh, Kelsey had the huge fumble last week against Cincy. Uh, the defense couldn't hold Joe Burrow from that last that last uh, touchdown drive. Um, the Chiefs are still good, and they will beat the Broncos. I still think uh, nine and a half is high, but just for the Chiefs' sake, I'm going to take the points. But I don't like the points. Uh, I I I like fourteen. This feels like a ten. I like I, I it feels like a two touchdown game to me. I think uh, Denver keeps it close first half, second half. Kansas City adjusts, starts to boat race. Uh, they go up like 14, 17, and they just start running the absolute shit of the ball. Uh, we will see another episode of somebody yelling or being upset with Russell Wilson <laughs> because they're getting boathouse. And uh, I like Kansas City, and I like the points. I like them by about 13, 14 here. Carolina Panthers, they're a four to a three and a half point dog. They are on the road. They are going into Seattle playing the 12th man, playing Geno Smith. They are, again, a three and a half to a four point favorite. So we'll stick with the four here. Jess, who you got? 
Uh, I like the Seahawks, man. Uh, Panthers don't have a whole lot left in the tank. I think they're just kind of riding out the season, to be yep. honest. And the Seahawks still feel like they have something to play for. And shit, they really do. I mean, the, yep. the 49ers, they're only like a game or so out of first place in the uh, NFC West. So, like, they still have something to play for. So you're going to see that. Geno's going to come out, have another very efficient football game. Uh, they'll attempt to run, but they won't because the Seahawks just can't. They don't have anybody to really run the ball. Kenneth Walker's injured right now. I'm not sure if he's going to play. Uh, that could definitely change this, the mindset of the offense, but still taking the, the Seahawks, and I'll still take the points. Yeah, this feels like a full touchdown game to me. The three and a half almost feels low. Would not be surprised if this gets away from Carolina because, like you said, they are at that point of the season where they're like, we got, what, five, six games left here. Let's just finish this out without major injuries. And if that means we lose every game from here on out, we're fine with it. Uh, love Seattle. Love the points. Uh, we got here. Okay, we got about three games left here. One of these isn't that sexy, so we'll stick right here. The Los Angeles Chargers. Feeling real Philip Riversy, Chargers. <laughs> they are a three-point dog at home. And I wonder, did Miami go all the way back to Miami and then fly all the way the fuck back to the West Coast? That would be dumb if they did that. But wouldn't be surprised if they did that. That, does, that seems like something their coach would be against because that coach is so forward-thinking. Uh, Miami, three points across the board here. They are a favorite. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to, I just want to start out by saying that I know that the Broncos had a lot of interest in the beginning of the season with the whole Russell Wilson trade and everything. We've seen where that's gone, but I want to say that the, the Los Angeles chargers to me have been the most disappointing team of the season. They loaded up on defense. They loaded up on offense and now they're sitting at six and six and they're about to go to the, to six and seven. Cause I do believe that the Miami dolphins are going to smoke them at home uh, the Chargers, Herbert is still, I think that Herbert's still an up-and-coming quarterback. He's got a ton of upside potential, big arm, big body guy. But, man, that offense has just failed him time and time again. They have no tight ends to work with. Uh, Eckler is often injured. Uh, Mike Williams is out for the season, I believe. And then again. you're looking at Keenan Allen again, who just, I mean, I love Keenan Allen to death. I think that he's a fringe Hall of Fame wide receiver. But damn, that guy's just getting up there and, and he gets banged up sometimes because he's being so overly used. So I just I don't see any upside to the rest of the season. I'm taking the Dolphins and I'm taking the points. If I'm the Chargers coach, I'm just trying to I'm coaching for my job at this point. You really are. I, I, I don't know what they have left. I don't I, I hate everything they have at receiver. And this feels to me like Miami easily covers the three. This feels like a touchdown game for Miami, if not more. Would not be surprised if we get another Chargers. There's two, three minutes left in the game. They're down seven. They're down six. They need a play. It's not being made because the receivers just can't make them. I like Miami. I like the points. Semi-sexy game. We got two games left. Let's stick with this one here, Jess, because it's semi-sexy. One of the only sexy games of the week. Tampa Bay, our boy, TB12, looking older than ever. I, I, quick, quick conspiracy theory here. I think Tom Brady was wearing makeup at the last press conference at the, after the game. I think that he <laughs> took his helmet off, ran to the first Fox makeup woman he could find, and went, just doll me up really quick. Just throw some plaster on me really quick, babe, because I'm just looking fucking older than ever at these press conferences. 
Um, they are a three-point dog on the road to the San Francisco 49ers, who are Jimmy G-less now. And they will be running Mr. Irrelevant, who you've probably heard this, I don't know, since Sunday when fucking Jimmy G got hurt. The Niners are starting the last pick in the NFL draft. Uh, Jess, who you got? He's so purdy. I see what you did there. So purdy. Uh, You know what? I'm going to, I don't know. I guess it's kind of an upset if I take this, but I'm going to go Tom. I'm going to go TB12 in the Buccaneers, man. Tom is the most experienced guy on the field. That defense still has some depth to it. Uh, The the offense can still run and operate fairly well under Tom Brady. I know that the 49ers have a damn good defense, but Tom Brady has just been finding ways to win games. If the Buccaneers can keep this close, a three-point lead going into the fourth, maybe down six going into the fourth, TB12 is going to find a way to win this game. I'm taking the Buccaneers in an upset. Uh, for our betters, this is the second week in a row Jesse has picked against the San Francisco 49ers. I just want to let the record reflect that. Um, <laughs> I love the Niners, again, and I love the points. I think it does not matter who the quarterback is because their coach is going to find ways to get McCaffrey the ball, get Debo the ball, get Ayuk the ball, get their fullback the ball, they just find elaborate ways to take the the glaring weaknesses of their offense and turn them into positives. And that's what they will do with this quarterback. I don't think he's going to throw the ball more than 25 times. You're going to keep him at a very low rep count when it comes to actually throwing. He's just going to be caught handing the ball off, tossing the ball, wide receiver screens, elaborate bubble screens, just ways to keep him from having to make big throws. Now, I did hear Dan Olavsky this week say that he watched a lot of, or he had to broadcast, he had to, because he didn't get paid for it. He had the pleasure of broadcasting a lot of his kids' games because <laughs> he was broadcasting a lot of, I was doing play-by-play for a lot of Iowa State games. And he loves his kids' composure, and he would not be surprised if he does a lot better than people think. But again, you're dealing with that Niners defense, which is fantastic. You're dealing with Tampa Bay's offense, which just stinks and is in the mud and is stagnant. And once again, if you cannot score more than 20 points against this Niners team, you are going to lose. Tampa Bay is not scoring 20 points against this Niners defense. They are going to lose. Take the Niners, take the points. (laughs) Last game here, Jess, the New England Patriots. This game is not sexy at all. I can't believe it's on Monday night. And it's on a Monday night, and it's Ugh. funky, and I already know which way I'm going to lean. They're at two to a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who are now the nobody believes in us, but we don't use it for motivation. We use it the opposite <laughs> way just to demotivate us and look sad <laughs> and depressed on the sideline. Uh, who you got? Is there a sadder looking quarterback than Kyler Murray? I mean, I'm sure he looks really happy when he's playing Call of Duty, right? He's got <laughs> smile in his, in his, with his boys. Hey, Ma! On. I'm on a 21 kill streak. <laughs> More me love, Ma! More me love, Ma! I love it. Oh, my gosh. Um, Belichick coming off of a – you know what? They, I know that they lost that game to Buffalo last week, right? But Belichick coached himself into that game. He stuck by what works. 
And unfortunately for New England, there's not a whole lot that works. But Mac Jones is still a very viable quarterback in this league, and he's still got some targets out there. And that run game was basically taken away by Buffalo. I'm not sure if if Arizona can take the the run game away from New England this week. I think given the chance, uh, Belichick's had a, uh, gets a couple more days to coach uh, this team up. I'm gonna mm. stick with New England in this game. I'm gonna stick by the points. It's one. It's like what one and a half, two points somewhere like yep. that. I can see it being a very low scoring game where New England ends up kicking a field goal late to win by one or two points. Yeah, here's our Monday night special. Whoever has the ball with two minutes left and a timeout or two is going to find a way to fuck around and win this game. I am going opposite of you here. I believe it will be Kyler. This will be an incredibly low-scoring game. 2017 feels about right. Uh, maybe 24-20. Um, but I, I, I don't see this as an, off- as an offensive explosion. This is not going to be a game that we talk about for years. <laughs> this is going to be a very forgettable game for all teams involved. I like the Cardinals, and I like the points. If there was such a thing as a Tuesday night game, this would be great for a Tuesday night. <laughs> it would be perfect if they could flex <laughs> the Niners-Tampa Bay exactly. game night. We can all pay attention to it and then put this absolute shit game on Tuesday night. We have nothing going on. We don't watch NXT. We're waiting for Dynamite on Wednesday. All right, Jess, let's hit the wrap it up button. We've done it again. There it goes. Okay, folks, we covered some UFC for you last week. Uh, last week's coverage, a little bit of uh, betting stuff for this upcoming uh, event. I can't believe we have to pay $70. I'm not going to. I can't believe you have to pay $70 for it. Um Football for this week. Hey, after this week, there we only got four weeks left before the playoffs, man. So every game from here on counts for somebody, mm-hmm. just not everybody. Uh, folks, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to last week's show. And for all you guys, uh, we have a whole laundry list of other episodes if you want to catch up and just listen to our style if you like what's, what's going on. We've been hitting every Wednesday. That seems like something that we can continue doing. Uh, we will Vegas, obviously right? keep you posted. Uh, please follow us both on Twitter, Jason at Valdez Bill Backwards 559. You can follow myself at JTT81. And you can follow the show at Team Toss21. Folks, enjoy yet another holiday week. Hope all that spinning is going to something good and positive. Folks, enjoy the rest of the weekend. He's got.